The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. We have a wonderful returning guest today. We have none other than Anita Lesko. Anita, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here today. Now, I want to hear from you about our Different Brains friend, who's wonderful, Stephen Shore, who officiated, I understand, at your all-autistic wedding. Tell us about this concept and the whole thing. Well, when my husband, when I met my husband, and I met him. I had started uh, an autism support group. This was after I got diagnosed, and I started the autism support group. And I've been doing that for actually a couple of years. I did it once a month on a Saturday, and one day he he walked in, um, and it was there was something about him that struck me right away, and we became friends. For the, for the following year, we were friends before it turned into a romantic relationship. And then when we got engaged, um, December of 2014, um, now at that point, a few months prior to that, I had gotten invited to speak in San Diego at a conference called the Love and Autism Conference. And so we, I was already going to go and speak at that. And after we got engaged, I called the lady and I said, what would you think of having a wedding at, at your love and autism conference. Um, and so she was like, Oh, wow, that sounds like really exciting. So, the, so then the next thing evolved about a week later, it was kind of like she and I were on the same wavelength because almost simultaneously we thought of, Hey, let's make the whole entire wedding party autistic. So that's what we did. So we knew Stephen Shore. So he was the, um, officiant for the for the wedding he had to get some kind of like special license little thing to do that from uh, san diego um alex plank was the best man for my husband abraham we had a, a young gal who was the harpist and she was on the spectrum and, and var all the other people that were involved and it was it was quite a big shindig uh, at the conference there was a of over 250 people in attendance at the conference for the wedding and the, the wedding, the, the conference organizer slash wedding planner was the Dr. Jenny Palmiato. And so she, she orchestrated on her end the whole entire thing, wedding cake, the whole nine yards. So we just, you know, our job was to show up and get married, right? And um, she, so this whole event, we wanted to open it to the public to let the public see that people on the spectrum have, have the same desire for love and romance and, and marriage like neurotypical people. So the next thing we know, we're getting called from people, which we're in that twice. And um, they did a video segment for on Good Morning America. And, and I think about 80 other news venues like Fox News and ABC. And it was very overwhelming. The whole thing was very overwhelming. Very cool. You know, Jenny, I was supposed to talk at that course once, but I had a conflict with another one, and I never got to meet her and go out there. But my, my understanding is that's fabulous. Yeah, well, that was, that was quite an event. Um, and, you know, I can still remember 
just before I walked down the aisle, and a friend of ours from here in Pensacola had flown out there to be the guy walking me down the aisle. And I'm standing there, and, and they start playing, you know, Here Comes the Bride. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, my whole life I had, before I, I, I discovered I have Asperger's, but, so, but I realized I can't, I didn't know how to make a relationship or keep it. So I long ago kind of reconciled with myself the fact, well, I'm never going to have, um, be get married or anything because I don't even know how to make a friend. And so standing there and realizing I'm getting married in a couple of minutes and all of this is happening was, was very surreal and very overwhelming. You know, something that neurotypical people, they just take it for granted. But to me, it was like, wow, this is unbelievable. I'd like to touch on something that often doesn't get discussed with people on the spectrum, which is I want you to give some advice from your vantage point, your unique perspective on relationships, someone who's in a relationship with someone on the spectrum. My husband and I talked, and he's, he's autistic, um, and I think our most positive aspect of a relationship is our ability to communicate. Now, doesn't that sound funny for two people on the autism spectrum that allegedly can't communicate or whatever? But like he and I, one of our, our hobbies of, with each other is sitting and talking for hours and hours, like on the weekends especially. Like even if it's hot out, we'll put the, jack up the air conditioner and then build a fire in the fireplace and then just sit there and talk for hours, you know, like on the couch, my, my legs will be over his lap and we sit there holding hands and talking and talking and talking. We do things together all the time. We both love to cook. And so we like, we rarely will go out to dinner. We always eat at home and make it from scratch. So we do that together. And it's, you know, you have to find somebody that you can talk to and be friends with first because there isn't going to be any kind of a long-lasting relationship if you can't be friends with that person and 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 have them think, you know, from that aspect to get along together, have shared common interests together, and and just be able to sit and talk to each other. Um, that's our that's we we think is a very very strong component of of the success of our marriage. Well, that's great advice for all of us, for everybody, really. Communication and spending good quality time like that is uh, paramount. And of course, those on the spectrum get a bad rap because you're not supposed to be able to communicate or socialize or, or listen to what the other person has to say and everything. Well, it's kind of funny because a, a neurotypical friend of mine, one day we're talking about this, and I said, well, you know, Abraham and I will just sit there, like if there's some kind of an issue or something, we just sit and talk about it. We don't play any kind of games or, you know, like ignore. I mean, all the games that I know neurotypical people do with each other, whether it's a, a romantic relationship or even just a friendship, we just talk about it, you know, and we can talk for hours. And then she says to me, well, Anita, she goes, we don't, you know, we, meaning neurotypical, she goes, well, we don't do that kind of thing. You know, we put up that kind of a wall around ourselves. So I'm like, I said, well, maybe I just didn't know any better, and that's that's all I know how to do. So she, she thought that was pretty funny. Um, is there anything, Anita Lesko, that we have not covered that you would like to cover? Acceptance. That That's the elusive thing that 
how 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 are we all gonna you know we're all out after it everybody's fighting for it who's on the spectrum um and others for us who, who are involved with autistic people like yourself and everything but how do we make the rest of the world really accept us because that's different than tolerate us accepting us is a whole different word and it's like how how is that how are we going to accomplish that in this day and age especially i see as probably a little more challenging than had we been back in time 50 years earlier when it was like the greatest generation um when people were a little more mannered and polite and and, and everything now we've all experienced it of being not accepted in the workplace in various places that's why you know i love when i'm at speaking at a conference i feel that difference of being accepted everybody's there they're excited to see temple they're excited to see me people after you know we both do our presentations people are coming up to her they're coming up to me and getting in line they want to get autographs and pictures well sure that makes you feel really accepted because they want to be by you and talk to you you know my workplace i eat in silence every day um in in the in our lounge room where the anesthesia people eat and it's kind of me always over there by myself and all my co-workers all talking and engaging and everything and and i'm just here by myself so of course it's not very accepting feeling um and i hear the same from other people how 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 from your standpoint how would you say that we can make this happen I, I would say the way we make it happen is the way we make it happen right here in our office in different brains. We're a neurodiverse bunch here. And the vibes you get when you come over here, and I hope someday if you're down here in South Florida, you'll come on by. And we also have a ritual that whenever we have a visitor, which is pretty frequent, we have the interns and staff, whoever happens to be here, because everybody's working different hours to fit into their schedule without giving up their day job. And they come and sit in on the couches here, and everyone has to introduce themselves. And you meet people, you, uh, you just, uh, in walks of life, you haven't experienced before. But the vibes you get in an inclusive setting are how it has to go out into society when you get on a bus, when you uh, go to work, when you go to school. And I think we're trying to do it in the masses. And I think of it more as like a pebble in a lake. You do a pebble and then it spreads out from, the lo from locally to do it. And then your, your people who've experienced it are able to do it elsewhere. Um, I think inclusion, acceptance, getting rid of stigma, they're all separate, but they all overlap in a degree. But it's the people like you who are walking the walk as well as talking the talk, and you're working, and you're married, and you got a smile on your face, and you dress how you want, and you're out there doing it, and you're laughing with Temple Grandin, this is beautiful stuff. You know, when I spoke at the, uh, the uh, USAAA out in Tucson a couple of years ago, and I end up speaking there every year, um, 
It was my first time and in a very surrealistic situation. After the reception for the speakers, I found myself sitting alone at the bar with Temple Grandin, okay? And it's like, who am I to be hanging out with Temple Grandin? And she was drinking water, I was drinking something stronger. And in one of the best things I ever did, I got to put her on the phone with my daughter, Rebecca, for 10 minutes. And I wrote a blog article after I listened to that conversation because I realized Stephen Shore, Temple Grandin, my daughter, you, you are in a club of champions I'm not a part of. You guys are the champions. You're out there doing it. I'm, on the, I'm the one on the outside looking in. And I think that's a great realization when a guy like Jose Velasco, who's the head of, uh, he's a global leader for SAP, the world's largest software company. We were on a panel together once at a conference, and they have a very good program for autistic individuals within that company. And he turned to me, and these are the things that's going to change the tide. He said, Hacky, this is not a social welfare project for us. This is a business transition. This is good for our bottom line. That's when things start to change. You know, they say, follow the money. Right. Google and Apple, when they're recruiting Asperger's, they know what they're doing, you know. When they design their workplaces now to be open with couches and some coffee, maybe even a beer machine or something, you know, a keg, um, it's changing a little bit. So I, I didn't mean to get off on a rant, but it's, I'm starting to feel pretty positive about it. No, you, you're so true on all those. I love that. That was great. Um, Anita, how can people find out more about you? On my website at anitalesco.com. Um, yes, and, and I, I'm actually going to be speaking at many conferences with Temple Grandin. Uh, Future Horizons, the publisher of my book, um, has us lined up for you know various places around the country. So I'll be kind of jet-setting around with Temple doing these presentations. And, and I have to say, I do very, very different kind of presentation than, than uh, a typical um, presenter. And I kind of put on a show in the beginning, which seems to really entertain the audience. I, I can't give anything away, but I'll just say that people are kind of, by the time I make my grand entrance, people are cheering and thinking this is like really exciting. And I, I just eat it all up doing it. It's just something different. And um, it's just very entertaining. It engages the audience a whole lot. Don't forget to uh, go to uh, to to order this book about Temple Grandin um, that I that I wrote about her with all the interviews. It's all her own words, um, and it not only is is it you, you learn about Temple, but I also feel that this book is going to really help change the world's view of autism when they see that because people got the impression of her about the movie, which is excellent, the HBO movie, Temple Grandin, but they only see one part of her really in that movie. This shows, I mean, when she talks about it as, as a child, you know, her most exciting memory on a beach was finding a message in a bottle on the beach. Um, something really entertaining, I'll share this little tidbit. Um, 
in our in midst of our conversation, she talked about when she got to meet B.F. Skinner, and she was so excited to go to his office. She thought she was going to the God of Psychology, and she he had invited her to come and visit him in his office at Harvard. And she was so beside herself, and she was wearing a dress. And when she entered his office and sat down, he looks at her legs and he says, "May I touch your legs?" To which she replied, without missing a beat, she goes, you may look at my legs, but you may not touch them. <laughs> well, I just, I thought that was pretty awesome for her to to say like that. Um, some people, when you, I, I personally probably would just sat there looking at them in shock. But it, just the way she said it, you know, it just was so cool. But to read the whole description of of her getting ready to go there and going there and, and experiencing that and how she felt when she walked out the door compared to how she felt going into the door to meet him so there's there's really very entertaining plus also in the book is a lot of things that um is helpful talk she talks about driving so for for people on the spectrum teenagers or whoever learning how to drive how really step by step does she accomplish it she talks about jobs, um, how to get different jobs, things to help you get jobs. So there's a lot of really educational stuff in there. And then she has a big message because I asked her, I said, Temple, what, what do you, what's the essence? What would you like the readers to, to walk away with um, after they read his book? So you, you see the whole thing, the chapter called Temple's Big Message. So it, it's, um, it, it's really a must read. People aren't going to believe it when they read it. Well, Anita, it's been another excellent episode of Exploring Different Brains. Thanks to you. Thanks for enlightening us and inspiring us. And keep up the great work you're doing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.